Right. So, you know, today, the day before, we recognize as a country a holiday, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Right. And some amazing feats that were done through the sacrifice of the civil rights movement. Yes. Right. That is why it's a national holiday. Mm-hmm. And it's known as a day to recognize and reflect on where we are at with racial uh, equality mm-hmm. and the movement and impact of civil rights. That's right. And, you know, there is no greater theme to kick off into when you're talking about us doing something sacrificial together right. for Jesus than to be hitting on this kind of a holiday when we're talking about that. Right. right. So it's good to know and have an awareness of that as we're kind of moving in and what God may be putting on your heart to do in the community. Amen. And to make an impact in the community. Amen. So, with all that being said, let's go to God in prayer and then we're going to get started. Amen. Amen. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you that you are on your throne, but you are full of love and mercy. That is a throne of grace. Father, that you sincerely listen to all of our prayers and you wisely respond. Father, that your plans are full of love, your your, your plans are full of power. Father, that you want us to have confidence in our relationship with you. That when we pray, that you move. Father, we thank you so much for this time. I pray that you move powerfully through the Holy Spirit throughout the lesson. And we pray all this in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's say more than enough power. All right, that's what we're focusing in on in the place we will go. Oh, I went too many. Here's my first question. I love that picture. I love the facial expression there. So if I were to ask y'all, do you feel powerful when you pray? Maybe your answer would be like mine. Mine would be like, no. And then the Lord would start working on my mind, and I'd be like, start remembering some things that I did pray about that he didn't answer. And I'd be like, well, kind of, well, sometimes. Nah, but not really. Uh-huh. Right. How many of y'all like me? Uh-huh, yeah. Hey, all right? But, so there's a disconnect there between what God says about our prayer life. Yeah, wow. And then how we feel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you guys hopefully understand at this point in the journey that when we feel something is different from what God says, we all have some growth to do. Yeah, right. come on. Because God's the one that's right. That's right. And we're not. Right. right? But you know, it's kind of redundant. It's kind of like, let, before we even talk about the power of prayer, let's even start with are we praying? Come on, Come on. You know, are we praying? Yeah, come on. You know, are we taking time to pray? Come on. Let's be honest. Yeah. Let's be real. Do you have the faith to even pray right now? Right. Right. Because we're supposed to, right? It's redundant. Matthew 6 5, when you pray, there's an expectation from Jesus that being a part of his kingdom, that praying is a part of it. When you pray, right? Luke 18 1, he told the disciples a parable to show them, that's the parable of the persistent widow, by the way, that they should always pray and never give up. Never give up. Christian's dad, Sam, shared that with me one time when I was real discouraged. It, it bore a lot of fruit within me that I, I would go and share that with people. Yeah. I didn't invite them to church, but I shared that scripture with them. Come on. I know God's word never comes back for That's Amen. right. That's right. Right? Yep. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing. That's right. That means we're not supposed to stop praying. Yeah, right. But I do. 
And then James 5.13, if any one of you in trouble, raise your hand if you had some trouble this week. I know you had some trouble this week. Yes, we did. We are people, and we have problems, and they go everywhere we do. Right? Right? So here we go again. Is there any one of you in trouble? Then what should we do? So the evidence is overwhelming of what we should be doing. But we're not. All right, so let's try to let's try to connect the bridge here. Let's try to get a little closer to Jesus here. Go over to James chapter five. We're gonna read something here. James chapter five is on there. We're gonna start in verse thirteen, but we're gonna go all the way through sixteen. Come on, Sean. Come on, Sean. See if I can get myself situated. There we go. All right, James five thirteen. Is any one of you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Maybe you're walking wounded this week. Mm-hmm. Haven't been to the spiritual doctor yet. Called confession. Yeah. Right? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Right. So there's a lot to understand about this. You know, for starters, we've got to figure out more about the context of James 5.13. Right? You know, who's it written to? When was it written? What was happening around that time? What were the people going through in their lives? Like, what is going on? Right. Right? So some of the things that were going on around and before the book of James was a lot of what we looked at in Acts over the last few months in what we talked about. All right? From a general review, we had all these people, specifically, all these Jewish people come down from the day of Pentecost. Right. right in Acts chapter 2. We had this huge moment. People repented and baptized and added to the kingdom, right? Then we get to Acts chapter 8, and the, the whole church is scattered from persecution. Right. Right? That's around 31 AD. Then when it gets to around between 42 and 44 AD, King Herod decides, hey, you know what? I'm going to execute James. Not this James, otherwise the book wouldn't have been written. (laughs) He executes him. He sees that that makes the Jews happy, so then he locks up Peter. Mm -hmm. Alright? This all happens in Acts chapter 12. About a year or two after that, that is when this book is written. If we just look at the first verse, that is in James chapter 1, it says... Greetings, you know, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. These were brothers and sisters in the faith that knew what it was like to live with uncertainty when the governments above them were cruel and unashamed about it. Now remember, Jewish people were the minority and they were oppressed by the Romans. Right? So they had that layer of oppression going on. But then there even their own ruler, King Herod, decided to start killing the Christians. Because the Christians were the minority of the minorities yeah, right. Right, that were oppressed. Yeah. So then life even just got harder. Yeah. Right. 
So the Christians here in this letter about when you're in trouble, you need to pray, they're Christians that have seen James get executed by the King Herod. Right. Come on. Right? They've been scattered in their lives. Some of them moved on the day of Pentecost and then had to move again when they were scattered in, in Acts chapter 8. So they know what it's like to live with uncertainty with jobs and family and life. Talk about struggling. Look, if you can't amen that and you're a married couple, I don't know what you can amen. Right? Job and moving and kids and travel. Good Lord. I got a job and traveling makes me pray a lot. Right? Let alone being persecuted along the way while it's all happening. Right? So you got all that in the background. And here, if God is reminding us again that when you're in trouble, what do you need to do? Pray. That's right. You never need to stop praying. That's right. You know, but it's interesting that it talks how important confessing is in here. Because, you know, as I grew up, I grew up and I had a background in a religion where it was a very kind of, there was this very kind of guarded relationship about confession. You could only do it to a certain person, and you had to do it in a certain place, and it was this very odd kind of thing. It wasn't me calling Brian and saying, brother, I messed up today. Right. I'm really sinning and struggling with my temper with being a father right. and a husband. Right. I need you to pray for me. Right. I'm not doing the best job I can at my job. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But how important confession is to how our spiritual well-being Because we can talk about praying powerful prayers, right? Right. But if we're not confessing and repenting of our sins, what kind of prayers are we going to have? We're not going to pray, period. Right? Right? And if we do pray, it's not going to have a powerful impact. I mean, don't get me wrong. God is full of mercy and grace. But we got to obey. That's right. We got to do the right thing. We got to do what is right. Amen. Right? So let's start there before we even get in and talk about power. That's right. We got to be willing to live our lives for God and repent of the sin. Yes. Look, right. look. <laughs> it's not just about the stuff we do. Yeah. It's about the stuff we don't do. That's right. It's about the sins of omission and commission. My yes. omission is the good I know I ought to do yep. and don't do it. Yep. That's sin too. Yeah. Right? So it's not just like I'm walking a mile because, you know, I just made this huge mistake. Yeah. I'm a living, breathing mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always doing things that I shouldn't be doing. Yeah. I'm always thinking things I shouldn't be thinking. Yeah. Right. right. And I'm always not doing something right. that I should be doing. Yes. Come on, Does anybody else relate to that? Yes. Come on, John. Come on. Yes. Do I have some confession partners here? Yes. 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 All right. I have, and this is family now, yeah. right? We yeah. talk about yeah. family and sin and yeah. confession. Yeah. All right, so if that hasn't been you for a while, you haven't confessed some sin for a while, I encourage you to get with somebody yeah, come on, after service. Okay. That's right. Yeah. right? Yeah. That's right. Because the whole point of doing this fast is so that we can have this powerful impact, yes. but we got to start at the beginning. Yes. we got to make sure our hearts and minds are centered around what God wants, That's and right. we're naturally going to yeah. drift from yes. that. Yes. That's yes. why we need each other. Amen? Amen. All right, so here. So here we go. Back to prayer, a powerful and effective. We saw talking about powerful prayer. This really spoke to me when I started looking up these words in Greek, and I am not a, a language.
with Stalin. So I'm not going to try to pronounce the Greek word. You do that on your own. But basically, I highlighted what made sense to me. There you go. Okay? So what makes sense to me is it talks about what the believer refers to the Lord strengthening them with combative, confrontive force. I like that. That's right. Because I feel like I'm in a fight every day. It's good to know that my prayers can help get in the mix with the Lord, right? Fighting for what's right. Effective. Working in a situation that brings it from one stage to the next. Now, I know we got some testimonies in here about how God has brought situations from one step to another because he prayed about it. Yes. That's how prayer is powerful and effective. That's right. So what else God wants us to know about this as we keep going here in verse 17, it says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. We just stop right there for a second, because when you start thinking about these heroic people in the Bible, the first thing I start thinking about, well, just because Elijah did it, doesn't mean I can do it. Right. Right? But God's trying to really get at us here. He was a human being just as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Process that for a second. God is telling us that a human being just like us prayed that it wouldn't rain. And then for an entire nation, they didn't receive rain. Mm -hmm. Now, three and a half years. So I grew up in Las Vegas. There's a desert out there. <laughs> Not a lot of rain. Very dry, right? So a lot of problems come with it being very dry. But the most important problem has to do with not having water, running water, which we all take for granted, right? Right. And how that impacts the growth of food. Yes. They didn't have Publix. They didn't have Walmart. They didn't have Kroger. They didn't have anything that you could go and buy food from. They had their little markets, but all their markets, depending on the farming, depending on the rain. Did everybody get that? Yes. So for him to pray a prayer like this and for this to happen had an insurmountable impact on the entire country. Man. That is a big impact, right? Yes. So why was he praying that? You ever think that? Like, why did he want it not to rain? Like, what's the big deal with that? Nobody ever thought that? That's just me being weird? No, I don't know. Because, <laughs> I mean, I get weird, you know? So sometimes my, my daughter has to help me to nod her head. Yes, my wife has to help me. They're my weird police. <laughs> but I started thinking, you know what? Well, why? why? What's the big deal about the rain? Right? Well, you know, first thing we got to know is the person that Elijah went up to, you know, he went up to Ahab, and he told him it wasn't going to rain, okay? Except to his word. But you got to learn more about Ahab. I got some teasers I'm throwing out there. You know, you're fasting now, so you got more time. That's right. You got some more time to study the word. So here's some teasers for you to go study on your own. I'm not really going to get into them, but I, I'm going to tease you a little bit like a preview. The only problem with previews I have when I go to the movies is sometimes I don't want to see the movie I'm seeing anymore. That's right. Sometimes I don't want to see the movie I'm previewing. That's right. Right? Hopefully I don't do that to you. Hopefully you stay on track with this movie. But when we talk about 1 Kings 16, 29-33, it talks about how bad Ahab was. Ahab was so bad that he was worse 
than all the other kings of Israel before him. Wow. Including his father, who was real bad. Wow. He was so bad, and when I say bad, wicked, doing wrong things, right? Worship Baal and got everybody else to worship Baal. All right? Got everybody else to do it and did it so bad in, in such a way that offended God that 150 years later, God brought it up again in the book of Micah. Wow. God was so done with how he behaved that he brought it up again how bad it was. That's how bad he did. Right? So he was leading God's people in a very wrong direction. Right? Correct? And in Deuteronomy, now this is over a long time ago. So this is over 540 years before Elijah. Right. God made a promise. And in Deuteronomy, he made a promise with his people of when he would bless them and when he would curse them and shut the heavens and not get any rain. Wow. wow. So what Elijah did is call him on that promise. Wow. 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 Elijah called God on that promise at that time. Wow. When people weren't worshiping God, people were worshiping God. People were supposed to be worshiping God. Yeah. They were worshiping Paul, and they had given up their faith. Yeah. Elijah had the faith to put his foot in the ground yeah. and call God on. on his promise. Yes. Wow. Right? Come on. Wow. Yes. Yes. I would encourage you to go back and study this. Yes. I would encourage you to go back and read in 1 Kings 16 through 19 to get the full breast of it. Because the other part about it, too, with Elijah is, yes, he did something that heroic. And yes, he was the guy that had many other great feats in the Bible. And yes, he didn't even experience death. He was taken off into the chariot. Right. And yes, he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He reappeared. All these amazing things he did, yes. But if you read chapter 19, you read about how down and out he got after his heroic feat. Yes. After this big victory on the top of Mount Carmel, where 450 prophets of Baal were embarrassed, and people were turned to their faith, this huge heroic moment, powerful and effective moment for God. And then he gives one messenger to tell him from Queen Jezebel that she's going to kill him. And all of a sudden now he says, and I quote, I would rather die. He said, Lord, I would. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Mm. One of the keys to having powerful and effective prayers is not riding the roller coaster of going too high and too low. See, Elijah had this amazing, powerful moment where he prayed the prayer that he did and God moved so powerfully and returned people to him. Had this amazing moment on the top of Mount Carmel. But then the next threat he received. Now, this is a guy that his whole life changed from the prayer. His whole life changed. He had to be fed by a raven by a river. Right? He had to go into hiding. Yet his whole life changed from praying that prayer. Ever wonder why things start changing when you start having bold prayers? <laughs> his whole life changed. Yeah. His entire life changed. Yeah. He went through so many challenges and hardships and was faithful. Yeah. But then after his greatest victory, yeah. 
He gets one challenge and he takes off. He quits. He runs. He hides. And God has to chase him down. Elijah was a man just like us. Don't we do that? Don't we live like that? Because we got more bold prayers in this room than y'all are giving credit for. We got more powerful and effective prayers in this room than y'all are giving credit for. Right? And even if you're not praying today, or you didn't pray yesterday, or it's been a little while since you prayed, I bet you if you sat down and thought about it, there have been some amazing yes. prayers that have been prayed in this room yes. alone. Yes. 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 But I think kind of like Elijah sometimes, when you get with that challenge right after that bold prayer. Yeah. Sometimes we can go running off in the hive. Yeah. And it's time to come out. Come on, Sean. And that's what you see throughout that story. As God chases them down, God... Goes to him and whispers. God feeds him. God encourages him. God tells him the plan that he has wow. when he feels like he's the only one left. Wow. Right. Wow. Now, I know we're in a room full of people right now, but if we're being honest, don't you feel like you're the only one doing it sometimes? Yeah. 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 Right? The only one in your family, the only one in the congregation, the yeah. only one in your ministry, yeah. in your small group, the only one trying to get something done for oh. God. Right? But what God did is he broke down each one of those, those negative narratives. Yes. And he tore them down and said, that's not good. Come on. I still have this many people that have a battle. Yes. Yes. This is what I want you to do, A, B, and C. Yes. So it's not just about understanding that, wow. hey, Elijah prayed this amazing prayer that changed the nation. It's also understanding that Elijah struggled with doubt. Elijah ran away. Elijah didn't want to live anymore. And he felt like he was the only one. He was a man just like us. Wow. Filled with the plague of all the things that we're feeling plagued with. Wow. Amen. So it's about taking that next step and getting back into the focus. Look over on 1 John chapter 15. 1 John chapter 15, excuse me, 5, not 15 chapters in 1 John. <laughs> Where is that book? <laughs> what did he say? This ain't the Bible. <laughs> All right, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 through 15 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask. See, Elijah had that kind of confidence because he knew he was calling God on his promise. He could go up to the king that everybody feared, and he could tell him that there's going to be no water on this land. Come on. He had that kind of boldness because he knew he was walking in step with God's word. Yes, that's right. Amen. Wow. That's the confidence he had. You know, in Hebrews, it says says it even better. It talks about in Hebrews uh, 4.16. Let's talk about this throne we're going to because that that means a lot. Yeah. Verse 16 in Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Yes. 
Prior to that, it talked about how we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Why do we stop praying? Why do we stop praying? Why do we stop trying to have powerful prayers? Well, for me, sometimes I just, I don't feel like I'm good enough to have them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. You can relate with that? Yes. Yes, yes. Or I feel like it's it, it wouldn't be high on God's priority list. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Come on. Right? God's got a lot of other things on his mind. Yeah. Yes. Right? But what God says about our relationship in prayer is very different from how I feel. Mm -hmm. He tells me that I'm coming before a throne of grace. He tells me to come with confidence. He tells me that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And I know I know what you're doing. I know what you're thinking when I say the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Well, I'm not righteous. Yes. That's why it won't work for me. That's my out. So my return question for that, for you to think about, was Jesus not enough? Are you saying that Jesus was not enough to make you righteous? Was he insufficient? Is that your argument? Jesus was not enough to make you righteous even though he made the worst of sinners fall righteous. The chief of sinners. Some of us are giving Paul run for his money, right? <laughs> but was Jesus enough? That's right. Because if Jesus is enough, then your prayers are powerful. Come on. Amen. You should be coming to God with confidence Amen. in the throne of grace. Amen. Not the throne of judgment. Although he is that, what does he want to be known as? The throne of grace. You know, there are thoughts I have during the day that I am so ashamed of and that I hate. And I just don't understand how God can forgive me. Right. There are things I do and mistakes I make that I've been told so many times that that's the wrong thing that I cannot stand. And I don't know how God is patient with that. But his thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. And if Jesus has been tempted in every way, yes, yes even that way with that thought Come that you on. have, Come that you struggle with telling yeah. people about. Yeah. If he struggled in all those ways, it was without sin, and he's willing to be a throne of grace for us. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Then the question comes back to will we take him at his word? Mm. Come on, that's wow. right. That's right. Come on, brother. That's right. Amen. Will we take him at his word that this is a throne of grace? Yeah. That's right. And that we can yeah. come with confidence. Come on. Yeah. That's right. And that we can make an impact. That's right. Yes. Yes. That's right. And it is a more a matter of our faith or lack thereof. Yeah. Yeah. Than it is about how far we are. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. But even if that's not enough, let's say I haven't won you over yet. You're still thinking, you know what, but little old me, I still don't know what to do. <laughs> I got some more good news for you. Because God is all about more than enough. Yes. Yes. God is all about the abundance that we have. Yeah. 
So here in Romans chapter 8, it goes into it a little bit more. Now, this is a promise for those who have made that good confession, went down and been born again of water and spirit, repented of the sins and made Jesus Lord. When you've been a part of that, and you're a part of the kingdom of God, this is a promise for you. That you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, and what, how this Holy Spirit connects into what we're talking about with prayer. And what it says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Ever been there? Yes. I just don't know. We got a list of people. I still don't know. <laughs> Got a list of problems. I still don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to say. Yeah. I'm stuck. Right? Yes. You ever been there? Yes. Here we go. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called. Yeah. All things, not some things, not most things, all things. Brothers and sisters, for us to have more than enough power in our prayer, it really comes back to our confidence in who we are having our conversations with. Amen. Are we having our conversations with a loving father? Who is sovereignly in control of everything? Yeah. Or are we having conversations with somebody who is too busy, irritated, easily angered? Really more somebody like us. <laughs> right? Come on, Sean. Yes. Somebody like us. Who doesn't want to deal with all the drama. Right? So, you know, here's a here's a here's a thought that we'll we'll wind it down and we'll kind of move into the close that I want you to have is that what I've noticed as I build relationships with students at school is the more comfortable they get with me, yeah. the bolder the requests they have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the, the more comfortable they are around me, then they want to change every rule in the school. Yeah. You know, they want to change the schedule of the day. They want to know when we can have a dance and when we can yeah. do this and when we can do that. I mean, the requests just are rolling. Yeah. Wow. Right, the more comfortable they get. Wow. Why do we even have a dress code? Yeah. Oh, we need one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, can we have a talent show? Well, I mean, that's a decent idea, but you know, in my answer to everything isn't yes, obviously, right? right. But the boldness in the request is fun. Yes. After you get over how it jars you. Uh-huh. If you got kids, you know what that's yes. like, right? Yes. Yes. Kids just start asking stuff. No. You just no. start <laughs> like you got a Especially at the 16. Yeah. Come with all kinds of requests. Right? And after you get your bearing, and you're like, wait a minute. Okay. Well, at least they felt comfortable asking. That's right, Sean. That's right. That's right. I mean, I say yes, but at least you asked. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, be bold. Ask. Yes. Why not? Right. My mom always used to say, the worst thing people can say is no. The worst thing people can say, Sean. Yeah. Just ask. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know, I'm just scared. Yes. Son. Just ask. That's all she used to say to me. Yeah, just ask. Yeah. Just ask. Come on. Come on. Right? What do you lose from asking God? Yeah. 